Good afternoon, and you're welcome to local media this week. And I uh, hope there's a few of you listening, and I'd say most of you are probably watching uh, hurling activity taking place at uh, this current moment. And uh, we wish the Banner Boys uh, all the very best in their uh, activities against Limerick. Uh, I'm joined here by a non-Limerick crew of uh, David Fleming. Uh, good afternoon, David. Uh, Hello, Luke. Uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat, how are you? Good afternoon, Luke. And John S. Kelly. And then there's the Clareman. The Monk. Would Luke not be oh, considered a Clareman? I, I take great exception to that. And Pat is a Clareman, too. John, you were a man festooned in history. Is that a compliment? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very much a compliment, and it, it was. If I if I go back, fado fado, I said I was a bit aggrieved myself that it wasn't an option for the leaving cert. Oh yes, you know. Uh, but I, I I understood I understood the reasons why, so we had to go the geography route instead. But uh, I'm going to talk history now, and we're currently enjoying a great spell of weather. And it sort of been compared to um, a time that a lot of people in the county would like to remember. And uh, Parik McMahon alludes to it on page one of the Clare Echo. And uh, Pat, you might enlighten us there. Something happened in 1995. <laughs> what, 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 what was it? Someone wrote a song about uh, it being very hot, I think, if I remember yeah. right. So. It was one of, the, one of the hottest years we had in, 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 in a long time. And Father gets the story there. County have recorded the sunniest week since 1995. Uh, County Clare has recorded the sunniest week since 90 1995, while nighttime wash restrictions have been introduced in Fano. A total of 105.3 hours of sunshine were recorded in Shannon Airport's mid station in the past week, making it the sunniest week in Clare since 1995, and the wisest spell recorded in, 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 by, by an Irish weather station since 2018. So I suppose uh, uh, 95 was a big, a big year for Clare winning that Ireland and I suppose yeah, the yeah. weather was good and good. Are you, saying it's a, with the famous song. are you saying it's ominous that this might be history repeating itself, that Clare might be w on the road to victory again? Is that well, what you're we're, we're hoping anyway, and, and, and um, <laughs> they're hoping as well that the, 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 the dolphins will come up the, up to Bonarashi there. They, they were hoping they came up there in 95, so maybe... And contrary to uh, the fake news at the time, it wasn't fungi. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I, I suppose, Pat, uh, we said between 95 and 95, are always two great years associated, uh, we'll say, with Clare and Clare Hurling. And uh, another record was uh, sort of broken or equaled last weekend when the minor boys of 97, uh, when they took a first uh, All-Ireland title uh, for Clare and good to see them uh, walking. Uh, a very nice picture there. There's actually, there's loads of very nice pictures in the champion, but uh, there is a one there on the front page of the Echo taken by Gerard O'Neill. Clare selector Finton Leamy on the bagpipes leads the minor, the Clare minor hurlers into Cusick Park after they defeated Galway at the weekend to claim all Iron glory. So we don't have to slag anyone about no. from Galway. So, uh, but seriously, uh, yeah. the, actual, the actual success of that minor team presents us with a fine selection of models. Mm. I mean that now in, 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 in a serious vein. These are guys who have disciplined themselves to the point where they, they were practically unbeatable this year. Yeah, and they've only 16 and 17 and years. 16 or 17. And there's a, there's, there's a few of the next generation of the team of 95 and 97 on the team as well, yeah. Pat, aren't there? Yeah. A few, yeah, a few sons of the team of 95. Michael O'Halloran's son was, um, 
was playing uh, at Wingback and you had James O'Connell's son was a, a sub and um, you had uh, Fergal Hegarty's son they were all in the, in the squad so um, there's, a, there's a, a nice mixture of, of some of the of the of the fellows that played in '95, uh, and of course they, they they took a detour via Broadford uh, uh, on their way back in. Yeah, like we'll say afterwards, and uh, there's another fabulous picture <laughs> in in in, what page the, is that, in the champion. I think I, I have page six written. It might be, it, is it the second part of the champion? Uh, indeed, it is. It, it is the, the town and country on page six, and uh, there's a great picture there of uh, uh, Clare Minor captain Owen going in. Uh, after all Ireland uh, final on Sunday being congratulated uh, by the future mayor of Clare, Joe, Joe Cooney. Yeah. So uh, I'd say Joe uh, quite happy to be uh, shaking, shaking the flesh there. And Owen, Owen Gunning is a, a nephew of PJ O'Connell who played in 95 as well, 95 and 97. Yes, so that's that, that 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 Owen's, Owen's um, mother. Mother is uh, Barry O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah. 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 So, so you see, now, now David, you see, so, 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 we, it's just the example of you know how everything is local here in East Clare. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, do, do you notice know how we're not gloating? <laughs> over the uh, triumph that would be beneath you John. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect it yeah. I just uh, uh, got out uh, read the headings there on the, the champion sport uh, on page 16 Luke, and uh, people can you know if they get the paper there's, yeah, there's great coverage in both papers in that's Paris Bernard Braves bridge 26 year gap at storming performance and then you have uh, Captain Fantastic uh, crowns a great field that's, that's on going there and he's photographed there um, being presented with the cup, and then you have know, uh, Donald Maloney from Scarif, who was a selector and um, former player, senior manager, and he's back with the underage again now and uh, doing great work. And uh, Maloney reaches the mountain top once more. Uh, it's a, a story here from Joe Malinerti. So, and then Brian O'Connell, the manager, who is from Wolf Tones in Shannon, Brian said there will be more. There will be more days like this. So. Uh, that's, a, that's a nice coverage in the paper for anyone to go and, and um, get the paper and yeah. even going back to the first time Claire won a monster uh, there's a, a big article there home, home from home uh, where John Malherty uh, speaks to Michael O'Neill from Kilkee who was uh, over in, lived over in Kilkee for a good few years and he was a selector that year that was the first monster ch- championship they won back in in 81 so there's a, a, an interview there with him as well good stuff right well listen uh, I, while, while we finish celebrating the minors hopefully you'll be celebrating the seniors next next week um and I suppose we'll just move on to uh, the papers. And as we said, we're going to be talking generally to Clare Champion and Clare Echo. And we uh, urge you all to either uh, buy the champion or have a subscription to the Echo uh, to get the best in journalism uh, in County Clare. And it's on page one of the Echo, or sorry, of the champion, I should say. And it's also on page two. There's sort of um, the type of headline, John, you don't really like reading. But David, maybe, you know, you might sort of comment on this as well. Firefighters take action to, quote, save the service. Well, uh, it is sad that it comes to this. The fire service is so crucial to us in the middle of summer, particularly, that Mm. has been exceedingly hot. We're lucky we haven't had uh, Mm. any uh, forest fires. So far. so far, they're proposing to go on strike, John. Yeah, they've started. Uh, industrial action began on Tuesday. Yeah, the um, I give you one example of uh, the craziness. The twenty-four hour service 
seven days a week. If you're on, you're on for the 24 hours. You must be available. Now, if you're a young father and you have children... Our mother. Our mother, mm. indeed. Uh, and you have children, mm. boys and girls, who play games and who have music and other activities uh, in the evening time. Mm. A, fire, a, a fire officer can't, can't take... He can't go and see his children mm. playing. How critical is now, that? Now, John, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for, for a minute. And uh, as I said, uh, I have the height of respect for the work that all in the fire brigade do. And I'm just going to point out the vast majority of the fire brigade, we'll say certainly in East Clare, are retained. Mm -hmm. OK, so they are not full time employees. There are full time employees in the fire service, we say, inside in Limerick, in Limerick City. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people in... East Clare, oh, I think all in East Clare, are retained. So they are not, it's not technically their full-time occupation. And we have had this debate in the past in relation to the Coast Guard mm -hmm. and in relation to search and, search and rescue services. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is that I think we are gone past the day where you can reasonably expect what are no i understand they're getting paid right but a lot of those people it's like their version of volunteering mm -hmm. when uh, it's a bit like when there's trouble they go to the Definitely, source of it yeah. everybody else is running away from it i have a personal opinion that i think they should all be classed as full-time employees and paid accordingly and then that you know, they would be rewarded in a way where you're not going to have these issues here. Mm. And that they would have to accept that if this is my full-time job, there may be, you know, two or three days, uh, you know, one week or maybe a day next week where I'm not going to be able to bring the kids to school or do X, Y, or Z, but that there will be plenty of other time where they can. That's but not a bad suggestion, suggestion at all. And I'm not so sure that the extra cost involved would be substantial because the numbers of people that are involved in this are generally small. Generally small yeah. Yeah. You know? I'd agree with that. Because I, I, we, I, I, the, the effort... Especially trained as well. The effort that yeah. they the do... The effort that they do... Mm. I, I would imagine that the training that the retained, a.k.a. the part-time fire brigade people do... Will be as good as the... It's probably the exact same yeah. as what the full-time yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a trained cohort of people there. And if it was a scenario where uh, you had... Uh, opportunities for full-time people I'd say you would get more people to take it up because they'd say I can live off yeah, this yeah, it's a job. you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. you make a fair point mm. it's um, I think the, the it's Dan Danaher who has the story it's continued on page two and and one of the problems that they are stating is the that actually the number of people mm. whether it's full-time or retained is actually quite small and not up to the full complement. So mm. Shannon Fire Station currently has only seven firefighters out of a full staffing complement of 15, which goes to John's point that, you know, are these people, let's say they're seven on, seven off at any one particular time. I don't know, I'm just making that up. But if you have seven people missing, then those people will have to be there constantly and there mightn't be much of a break for them. So, yeah, I can understand the frustration. Um, it's not, not entirely clear from the article what the main issues are, but I think that is one of the main issues. Anyway, they're trying to resolve it. Um, 
This week, the Clare Champion understands that the Kilrush Fire Station will have five members as two are out on medical leave, while this increases to six for five weeks. So it's tiny numbers, really, when you think of it. Um, speaking in the Dáil, Minister O'Brien confirmed the government has accepted the 13 recommendations of the report that was commissioned into the retained fire service. So I don't know if one, mm. of you, one of those are the same as yours, uh, Luke, but... Um, yeah. Anyway, at the moment, they're only responding to emergency calls. Yeah, but you see, you have the argument as well in how they're how they're financed. Mm-hmm. And, like, the part-time are all financed through the county councils. Great. And, like, uh, it, this should be a national service, sure, yeah. Yeah. I and would the, think. The retainer, the retainer is 8,500 for an new recruit, with, while payments are made for car outs. So that's the system of payment. Yeah. But it can go from eight and a half thousand up to forty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but that's obviously more and more calls that you do, John. Yeah. You know, yeah. so and you're fitting two point two point five kilometers within the uh, of the fire station. You that's have to be not easy to find people who are in that situation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, and and but if you if you said that if you had a full time fire service they would be on site for the duration of their shift so they yeah. could technically oh, live yeah. further away because they would be on site yeah. well, what, what I'm worried about we have a very large international airport getting very busy yeah. again thankfully you have money point and money point and you have the Ardner and Crusher you have Ardner Crusher you have a few massive infrastructural uh, uh, utilities um, in this county there's only seven out of fifteen firefighters in Shannon Airport. Imagine if, imagine uh, the mm. un, the unfortunate and unthinkable would happen down in Shannon. A plane crashes or something. And that uh, that. Uh, seven firefighters yeah. will not put out that fire. I know they'd be called from everywhere. Yeah. But I I think the airport have some of their own staff their own as well. Staff. Do they have their own yeah. staff? But if somebody yeah. might miss something, those fellows are called in to replace them and assist. Yeah. Like. I, I just think that, you know, we, we talk about standards and everything else in this country and we sort of waste money on such useless rubbish. Mm-hmm. And some of the important things that we sort of need to get done right aren't done, yeah. aren't done mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, listen. Uh, who's, um, who's, what ministry is responsible for the fire service? It's, yeah, uh, ho- housing, it's the housing, housing, housing minister, yeah. yeah. Housing according minister. to that, yeah. yeah I, I'm sure it's not exactly... It's generally he's not local num- government as well. Yeah, it's it? not yeah. number one on his list of yeah. things to be talking about. Anyway, listen, we're going to move on and we'll come back to a topic we haven't spoken about. I'll get that, John. Um, page six in The Champion, Dan Danaher is continuing his series of talks in relation to sh- uh, the hospitals. Yeah. And there, there's, there's uh, one comment now on it that caught my attention, David, and it's uh, from... Uh, it, is, it is from page six of, yeah, the, cham- uh, of the champion. Dan has the... Uh, it's the article. HSE admits that Ennis MAU would make a substantial difference. You take us through that there. Yeah, an MAU is a medical assessment unit. It's another... It's a sort of a proxy for an emergency department. And we know, of course, that uh, Nina, Ennis, St. John's and Limerick lost their emergency department so that one massive emergency department could be opened in Limerick. This was back in the early 2000s, wasn't it, or late, whenever it was. And now it seems (laughs) 
that um, according to the CEO of mm. University Hospital Limerick, who is Colette Cowan, um, anyway, she's effectively she's effectively saying. Yeah, we'd like them back. We'd like them back. Now, John, uh, this is where no, the... the, the, the Miss Cowensy was also shared by the newly appointed HSE, Bernard Gloucester, when he was questioned in the door by Claire TD, Carl Crow. How, has this not been a beaten horse for the last 14 years? Things move very slowly. One thing moves very quickly, actually, is the payment of money. So <laughs> yeah, out of your pocket. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, you're, you're quite right. I remember well we were involved in, in uh, many discussions uh, around that team, Luke. We've discussed it there a lot in the last few years, John, yeah. on the table here. In fact, mm. it gets boring, doesn't it, really? It does, yeah. Mm. Well, in, fair, in fairness, uh, reopening Ennis and Nina as medical uh, units, uh, you've spoken about it for long enough. Yeah. Indeed. It's, uh, the, 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 there was um, a meeting... Um, uh, a Clare group the Clare I think they're an advocacy group looking for the opening of the emergency departments and they actually want to know who were the clini clinicians who recommended the controversial Closure. reconfiguration the, uh, uh, I, I, of I, I acute hospital the services the excellence creation yeah. of centre of excellence yeah. who exactly were the clinicians who recommended that well, it appear, you'd have to go back into the annals, as the man says, and I, find it. But I, I don't but think I, it was ever, because it was a minister, it, it, the, the clinicians might have advised, but that would have been private advice. And the minister, ultimately, Mary Harney, I think it yeah, was, made the, would have made the decision. Well, yeah, because it was a political decision, but right. their, their cop-out was that we're doing it on, on the medical advice. On medical, medical advice. So now we want to know who the clinicians are. The, the word excellence was a, a troll, do you know? Yeah, centre of excellence. Yeah. yeah. Who could who could turn their back on the promise mm. of uh, cr the creation of a centre of excellence? Mm. But I think now they have to accept that Limerick and a few other hospitals are not centres of excellence at all. But, but because they are, um, there were ninety on Wednesday last, the thirty first of May, there were ninety eight people on trolleys. On Thursday it was ninety four. Um, on Wednesday, June seventh, just a couple of days ago, ninety mm. on hospitals. On, yeah. on trolleys. And the figures for Ennis and Nina, I, I, I like the way they put them as zero and zero because there's no room, obviously. They, were, they weren't they open. They weren't taken, yeah. They I weren't. Mean, look, you're, you're a strong techie person. And, uh, and I'm wondering, can you see technology, the most up-to-date modern technology, can you see that playing a stronger part in the delivery of but, but uh, John. medical service? You've a uh, medical service in Ireland that's still using paper. Yeah. And it's one of the, you hear some of the ministers criticising this the whole time. I said, what is the reluctance yeah. to go from a paper service to a proper, uh, you know, we'll say a, a proper data? Yeah. Now, having said that, Dan also has an article on page six, clear patients affected by HSE data breach. You know, so... Yeah. But like, uh, you know, if anyone goes into hospital, what's the one question you're asked about 75 times? 
uh, what's your name and what's your yeah. date of birth. Yeah. Like literally, if you had yeah. a sticker on your head and they sort of scan, scan your barcode. And have a uh, private uh, insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it, you, you know, that if you had, uh, if there was a digital records available, that they wouldn't need to be asking you these yeah. stupid yeah. questions well, the whole time. Could, it, could you visualise radiology being dealt with at local level? Well, I suppose the issues you'd have in relation to that are w with the equipment. This is the whole argument going back to the whole sort of centre of excellence things that they said that, oh, well, if you if you had equipment in Nina and Claire, it wouldn't be used as often as it needs to be. You know, like, you know, scanners and stuff like yeah. that. They cost a serious amount of money and to get the value for yeah. money, you need to have them being but, used. But a thing like radiology, that is that is going to be specialist. And we're, we're only five million people. And if you go to Limerick, Cork, Dublin, that should AI be covered. But uh, this is an emergency department no, problem, but the, but not not the general services. The general services are actually working well. Not if you're in, in certain parts of the country. They're not. I mean, seriously not. Well, are you saying they're you not a service wait, there? You have to wait maybe three weeks, four weeks. Well, the waiting list is something else. That, that, but that's it, when it, it centres around, for example, uh, a radiology question, I might putting it to you, that it is possible with artificial intelligence going down the way that we could look forward to local radiology reports. Possibly. All, all it requires who, 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 is, is to be able to take the shots and send them in to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into Limerick. Artificial intelligence will be cooking our breakfast for us as well. I mean, it, 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 that's probably the future, John. Yeah. Um, we're not there yet. We have the one. The one question that no one has raised, and I'm sort of frankly disgusted at uh, our politicians why they haven't raised it, uh, is why aren't we talking about building additional hospitals? I agree with you for our population. Yeah. Mm. Well, I agree the, with the you. answer I suspect the immediate answer you'll get on that one will be that uh, we do not have the personnel to man the current supply of hospitals. Yeah. And Am we I right or wrong on that? Well, you could be right, John, but if you build it and you, if you sort of reduce a bit of the sort of Beirut sort of behaviour that goes on in our hospital system, because if you added extra capacity, you might take the strain off the existing hospitals yeah. in some way, yeah. that they might all function what, better. What, one of the good things that have happened is the children's hospital, and notwithstanding the amount of money it has cost, but yeah. that will... That will significantly impact mm. children's health mm. in, in a good way. Um, it'll have be, a, you know, that. So maybe we'll start with the children and work our way up through yeah. the age yeah. groups. Right. Well, I think we, we'll move on to a bit more politics. We're going to go tennis now, John. And uh, going we're going to page them? nine in Declare Champion. Uh, Jessica Quinn has an article. Question, uh, there's a picture of Councillor Claire Colloran Malloy. Questions raised over the transparency of GMA funds, which is the General Municipal Allocation Funding. And uh, uh, calls for a, quote, root and branch discussion on the workings of the Ennis Municipal District's GMA are branded, quote, disrespectful by some councillors at a meeting of the local authority. Uh, that's on page nine of the of the of champion. the champion, yeah. And it's yeah. an article by Jessica, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah. Th there's a there's a little bit of um. There's a sub tone. I there. think there's a tone, John, in that yeah. basically, as I said last week, rutting season has begun. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll say there's Indeed. there's Fianna Fáil selection com uh, conventions have uh, have and are taking place, and Fianna Gael 
as, as well. Well, now, the first question is, what is a GMA? It's the General Municipal Allocation. And what's that when it's at home? It's basically the councillors in... Uh, a particular yeah, area. Yeah, so we we'll yeah. say in, in for Clare, it's for us, it's the Killaloo Municipal District. That's yeah. the area that our five councillors cover. David, they get, they get an annual fund. fund. It's like a discretionary fund where they can allocate money. Just say, for argument's sake, um, uh, you have a project where you'd like to build a wall that could be of benefit to the community. Just for, for argument's sake, for it, it could be shelter. It could be shelter for birds, like or it could be something like that. Yeah. And you, you uh, uh, as as a, a, a the, the chair of the Tungreni Let's Build a Wall group, make representations to the councillors, and if they see fit to sort of grant you, uh, say, you know, either five hundred or two thousand euros or ten thousand euros. Uh, from their fund, they can do so over over mm. the course of a year. But you can see how that could be open to abuse, couldn't you? It could, of course. Well, well it's wasn't there it's a controversy, not. Pat, a few weeks ago? Councillor O'Callaghan didn't get his project in, and all the councillors. I think this is at the heart of this. Yeah. No, that, that, that was at a county. Uh, that was at county level. Yeah. No, I, I think that the the GMA. I, I just know we've alluded to it before that our councillors work, uh, I said, uh, pretty much together, you know, and and they all sort of, you know, they it, it it's basically if 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 they're all in, they're all in. It's not four in, one out. Yeah. It's not a lad saying, well, I my five hundred euros now part of that. I'm not giving it to you. Yeah, no. The you know? new system, the new system now is, and we have done it here because I got a forum from from. Yeah, well, well, we get money through, through this fund, well, the radio gets money through this fund. And, and they have a new forum now, the council, where you, you, have to, you have to fill up, the, you have to fill up a, a forum yeah. from this, we say, organisations, Scarlet mm -hmm. Community Radio, and you have to detail, in detail, well, well, what, you, what, you, what you want the money for and what you're going to spend it on. Yeah. So that, 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 has to, that goes into the council then. So that, 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 that's actually for that, that fund. You know? Yeah. And so then, then let's hold a second, in. Pat, hold a second now. Let's say there's 20 organisations and they're all looking for a sizable amount of money. The pot is only half of what people have asked for. How are they going to decide? Well, they might, they'll, they'll probably decide. And then well, how? how? Yeah, Where is the transparency of, of it? There yeah. is a, uh, they'll decide on so many this year and they'll give it to some other crowd next year and that's the way it'll well, Is that how it works? Yeah. But yeah. you see, the question I think is that we don't know how it fully works. No, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, David. It's basically, it, 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 there's legislation in relation to it and right. it's the councillors have this fund that they, they can see fit. But I think the issues in relation to um, Ennis and it was basically Mary Howard hit out at a proposal. This was basically a motion. This is democracy. This is a democracy in action, where uh, motions are put forward by the other councillors, and then you know they all get a, an opportunity to sort of talk about it in in relation to it. So Councillor O'Callaghan um, in Ennis raised concerns that the council is spending GMA, which is the um, municipal allowance, on capital infrastructure projects. Now I think that seems to be at the heart of where the issue where the issue is. I think he's yeah. sore because we covered an article uh, a few weeks back where one of his projects didn't get late. on the list. Isn't that right? Am I right, yeah. Pat? Was he was late. late. He was late, yeah. and he got very sore about it. And I'd say now this is the uh, this is the upturn of it. Mm. He's he's. Uh, but isn't he right that 
should this money be spent on infrastructure projects? Or should it be given to the likes of Scarif Bay Community Radio to buy microphones or something? Yeah, well, you could argue both ways. Is it, is it, isn't Clare County Council supposed to be spending money yeah. on infrastructure and roads and whatever walls? Yeah, well, if, if, you see, if, if yeah. there's money available for a certain project and, and a councillor, if they, for instance, wants to tell my the the care park or say Tumblaney Church or Tumblaney yeah. Mills Church or something yeah. that, it might be needed to be done they'll, they'll, they'll allocate money to that mm, kind of stuff mm, but mm. I, I, I wouldn't say that. It, 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 I think it's just about an argument about how, how, they, how they're spending the money I don't think there's, mm. I don't think there's any and Pat the, the money itself comes from local property local property taxes it does, right? yeah, it does, it does. am I correct in that? yeah it does yeah so uh, one would expect uh, it, general, it generally goes towards community organisations. That's yeah. generally where, where, yeah. where it goes. Yeah, true, true, yeah. 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 Smaller organisations that don't have the capacity to actually shake the bucket, as Jessica yeah. says in the article there. Yeah. yeah. So what in the I think, um, I think, though, we should see the full list of people. Uh, is that publicly accessible, the information on what people have... Who have applied for it and what they've got? Is that available? Uh, off the top of my head, I do not know, mm-hmm. but I would imagine it is because, like, it's all accounted for. So you know, they, they get they get a they get an annual amount mm. to divvy out, mm. and uh, they they divvy. It'd be it useful out. if our if our journalists went and investigated this and see well, I know who was getting funds for the last well, five years, for example. Well, you see, there's, there is different there is different ways where the council uh, give out money, and uh, I know that there's certain funding. Parts of it where local organisations, because I'm in Marla myself over in the Mills, and we there was a, a, a length of a footpath put in, and I know Tim of Vincent, you had to apply so, so much, a third of the money, and then and then the council came up with the with the other the other two yeah. funds. Yeah, uh, under the GMA. I don't know what's hidden under that scheme, or could be under oh, a different scheme. scheme. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many different schemes, aren't there? Yes. Right. Well, I, I tell you, we'll 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 bring that up with a count with a councillor whenever yeah. we we have we have yeah. in the studio. Yeah. John, yeah. you wanted to talk about uh, the editorial in the Clare Champion. That's on page uh, uh, nine, I think. Is it nine? No. no. Uh, it's page ten. Sorry, page ten. Page ten. A bridge too far in Doonbeg. No. <laughs> oh yes! <laughs> I thought he was going to I get mean, into a golf mention, conversation. Did, did we mention Kite, the man whose photograph is on the the paper? No, we didn't. Well, this gentleman is living under a bridge, which is an article on page one, the the front page. There's a page. photograph of a man yeah. with a bed, and there's an interview. He he speaks on page two about his experience and experiences. And the editor, the editor decided that merited, you know, uh, a serious commentary. He's seventy-one. He's seventy-one. Is he homeless he's a 70, or what? He's a, well, he was renting a house. Right. He was spent his life working. Looked in India in England. Yeah, he was a chef. And a chef for yeah. fifty years, retired and came to live. Loved it down in um, Dunbeg. And. <laughs> Rented a house, I think, for nine years, and the the owner of the house, we call it him or her, the landlord, and um, uh, they wanted to do it up. Okay, so that meant he had to move out. And he's been very stoic about it and very sanguine about it, you know. Um, so just the editor 
I credit the editor with raising it here at that level. And uh, uh, she says, a 71-year-old Dune Begman, who is now living in a space under the bridge of the Long Village, Dune Beg, is a true in, in, indictment of our country and its leadership. We are running a budget, a budget surplus, despite being in the grip of a severe cost of living crisis. And the country, uh, he says, is in rude health. We are awash with cash. But a debate has already begun in earnest as to what to do with these funds. Question. What does the presence of uh, a citizen living under a bridge in a small village in County Clare, what comes to mind? And that's what the editor is trying to raise in the, um, in the article there. Mm. So you're a citizen of the county. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about it, Pat? Yes, I mean, no one wants to see somebody like this uh, living under. But I, 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 I don't really know, John. I, I, there should be a lot more uh, housing. I suppose the, the provision of housing is a problem because they haven't enough for people to build them. At the present time, they could they could have Tom Paddle on the radio the other day about it, and he said that there's a very a huge shortage of, of skilled labour. Yeah, well, well, what would you say to Deirdre when he wrote, with modern technologies and building practices, there is a variety of ways to build and house and give someone a home. Not all are long-term and will stand for six decades undisturbed, but building such houses would be a pointless exercise in itself. Maybe he's talking about the modular housing. Yeah, I think he there last week where, yeah. where you can put up modular homes uh, way faster than the ordinary block. I'm embarrassed anyway, That's uh, as, as an Irish man. I mean, there are a lot of, there are hundreds of people homeless in Dublin. Uh, we don't have that massive problem here, but he is an example, I suspect, of some homeless in County Clare. What, what is very strange is that he says he's been to the council um, uh, but that there's nothing available at the moment. And the council really has um, provision for emergency. Like, he could have been put in a hotel until there was... Now, might have been his choice that he didn't want to be put... didn't want to go into a hotel. Yeah, possibly. So the council hasn't... Of course, the council wouldn't comment on uh, individual cases, but it'd be interesting to know the full story there. Yeah. Is it worth following up? It is, certainly. Um, it's who has that story? Uh, it's Owen Ryan. So perhaps Owen Ryan might do a bit of a follow-up. Yeah. Okay. John, I'd say if, sorry, look, if you went into Innes uh, today now and drove around Innes and you'd find, you would find 20 houses boarded up, there's where people, good houses, there were yeah. boards across the windows and boarded up and how there could be people living in them. And you see today's an And if you went back to Kilgush, it'd probably be the same way. And yeah. if you go to the islands... Yeah, the new but aid to be fair, the government have provided all sorts of money for derelict houses like that, Pat. Yeah. And it's the people who own them, I think, is the problem. Yeah, now, there are various reasons why people hold on to these houses. David, yeah, if you drive in, if you drive into Limerick and you drive up to the all the all the enabling uh, in us as well, but not as much in us now, but definitely in Limerick, if you drive in through all the the, the, the council, we say Carlin Council estates that were built back then. There's a huge amount of houses boarded up in those estates, fine houses that yeah. the yeah, council yeah. shouldn't go back and take over yeah. and put people living in them. 
I notice now the council uh, in Limerick in particular, um, it's, the, it's the Limerick councillors talking, coming on to you. Um, <laughs> the, they have they demolished a lot of houses uh, in Limerick. Uh, during the bad days, these houses were derelict. They had been burnt out by some of the gangs. They had remained uh, as vacant sites just plots yeah. of land yeah. for the last 20 years. They've now started to rebuild those houses, which I think is a good sign. But I agree with you, Pat. There are, there's plenty of houses in Broadford, uh, in, uh, not so much in Scariff, but in um, Tola. Shannon, Tola, Tola, every place. Anyway, right, listen, we've uh, enough spoken about and we're way over budget and time and uh, <laughs> for, for part one. Pat, who's live or dead this week? <laughs> I, I don't think we'd anyone that passed away. Well, look, as the sun is shining, we'll have Harry, Harry Belafonte with Island in the Sun. Oh, Island in the Sun. Island in the Sun. Excellent stuff. Right, we'll be back in a few minutes. Oh, Island in the Sun Built to me by my father's hand All my days I will sing in praise of your forest waters, your shining sand. Right then, and Harry Belafonte in Ireland has been an island in the sun for the last 10 days, and hopefully it's not done yet. So now, part two, uh, it's going to be an abridged part two, because I've spent a little bit uh, too much time talking in part one. We come back to our own side of the pond in here in East Clare. And, David, I'm going to refer to you to page 14 and 15 on the Clare Echo, a two-page spread there that Parik McMahon uh, has. And this seems to be uh, a trend that the Echo have uh, on page 14 and 15 in the Echo, where they give a topic good coverage with three different articles and this is a meeting that you actually attended uh, for for the radio i did and this is in relation to uh uh the clare lakelands hotel it is it's in relation to a number of uh, people who will be coming who will be accommodated in the former hotel which closed its doors uh, 15 years ago and um, a public meeting was organized um to discuss the issues um, and I, yes you're right I attended it it was it went on for over an hour there were about 40 to 50 people I'd say at it um, it was attended by by four politicians Deputy McNamara was the only TD present Senator Dooley uh, Timmy Dooley he chaired proceedings and and then there was Joe Cooney and Pat Hayes two two of our councillors and what one of the articles that Powerick has there is the, the heading is TDs criticised for absence that's now, right now there's two ways you, you can look at this can they be at every meeting that takes place across, across no. the county the no. answer is probably no but given what happened with Inch you'd like to think that they might have been a little bit more considerate towards it. Now, I know uh, the Fine Gael, uh, Joe Carey, Joe Carey is indisposed at the moment yes. uh, for medical reasons, so he yeah. wouldn't have been in a position no. to attend and there were apologies given for him. Was, yeah. But th there's two other politicians, you know. There are. But then again, <laughs> then again, the politicians were there and the people that were there, they, they, didn't, they didn't know an awful lot about what was happening on either these people who were coming there. 
That's right. Well, um, all the politicians gave as much information as they had, which was fairly detailed. Um, Pat Hayes had spoken to uh, the operator of the hotel, who's mentioned here as well, um, and got a lot of information from him, actually. There was a discussion um, and information given on how these things happen. And they can happen very quickly. And even though a hotel operator might be thinking about it, they might not necessarily inform the government, but they might be getting the place up to up to fire regulation standards, other standards, and then they might make an application. So the rumours can get going yeah. from an early stage, even before the government might might have signed any sort of contract. And it's can only when the government signs the contract. Can I ask you, um, what when you entered into the room, what kind of a mood met you? Um. I suppose patient because everybody was was waiting patiently uh, for the meeting to start. I, I noticed initially when I came in, and I was amongst the first in, so a significant number of women there. But that sort of changed as the meeting went on um, and as people came in, a lot more men from the bar and came the in. The age profile? The age profile, middle-aged, I would say. Oh, David, w would it be fair to say now, because I know we alluded to this last week and I sort of said that I, I didn't think there was going to be too many of the sort of uh, the lad sort of uh, sending out false narratives on Twitter were going to attend that the majority of people were probably going to be locals. I, I, was, was it that way? The majority of people were locals. Uh, that's from what I... Uh, everybody who spoke seemed to be local yeah um to the to east clare anyway um everybody everybody seemed to be known the politicians knew almost everybody by name and they said now marie you're next or whoever it was yeah. um i thought i thought our politicians handled themselves very well they seemed to take each opinion and to do their best to explain uh from an official point of view because often um, these are official sort of challenges in a way, and they're trying to explain the government's perspective, the agency's perspective, the hotel's perspective, and also recognize their, the, the local issues. I would say by and large, um, a lot of the comments were uh, concerned about people coming here. Um, there was also a number of comments who would say that um, they were going to welcome uh, these people here and were happy that they were coming, that the hotel had been used in the 1990s for such a purpose, so it's nothing new to Scarif. Um, but I think by and large, uh, everybody, including the politicians, were unhappy with the level of information and hence one of the titles there, Locals Slam Lack of Information. Can they what... I'm, I'm meeting this from the inch. What, when people say they needed more information, mm. what are they searching for? I think really they kind of want to be, they want to have meetings like this. Uh, and I think if the government or the agency set up a meeting in every town with even a possibility that they might have people coming um, that might suffice. And listen, every town in the country will probably have to open doors. And there's no harm for a, a general meeting on 
what might be happening. I think that's it's the lack of information. Yeah. Now, the, it it wasn't the politicians who organised this meeting. It was a local. The local woman there is pictured. Um, she organised the meeting, and there was a question. Well, why didn't she organise the meeting? And that was a fair question. Mm. And I think there is a job for our public representatives in every constituency in Ireland. We, along with the agency, I, I can't think of it, is it called NPAS or something, yeah. who are responsible for refugees and asylum seekers, that they, in every constituency they should have a meeting. I'm just going to slide sideways and go west, John, for 30 seconds, because we spoke about it off air. There's a building and a, a premises that you and I are both familiar with, the ex-Irish College in Carrigaholt in West Clare. And the people that have that building had a meeting in the local area in relation to it and sort of said the building isn't possible it needs severe not severe sorry that's the wrong word significant thank you david refurbishment before it could be back opened for, to be used we'll say for um an irish college again yeah. and that they're potentially looking at the issues of if that if money was available i presume it would be government money to sort of bring it up to an acceptable standard that would the com local community be open to people being brought into the area. Yes. That is, I would like to think, a common sense yeah. from all sides. Yeah. Uh, the owners of the building in particular yeah. are to be commended. In, yeah, that's in a nice way of doing it. And there's no, there was nothing to yeah. stop the owner or the leaser of the hotel in Scarif or, or, or at Inch or anywhere around the country calling a meeting like that. I mean, they've probably learnt from the mistakes and they're... Well, I think they, they, they learnt from Inch mm. to their costs. This has been dealt with better, mm. but you'd still say it's not 100% ideal. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll uh, just, move, just move on. Look, um, yes, Pat. House operator received 4.83 million from the state in 2022 for housing Ukrainians. So uh, Gordon Deegan has a story there on page 18 of the business section of the yeah. of the Clare Champion. And um, he, he's, uh, the company CM, CRM Properties Limited, which is an address of Main Street Portland, uh, owned by Donald O'Brien, was established in, in 2020. And his most recent account showed that the record, that the recorded profits of 50,690. But uh, he, he looks like he, he's, um, he's looking after... Um, uh, the Clare Lodge in Innes and the King Thomas were listed there on the Nocturne Accommodation Centre and um, a few more places around uh, McGowan House included. So they, they probably have the contract of looking after the Ukrainians in those places. Yeah, yeah, well, I suppose I'll say someone has to do it, you know. Yeah, said yeah. That the government hasn't, hasn't exactly a, a sort of... A you know, cover themselves in glory in relation to it. But listen, we'll move on and I'm going to talk about a good news story <laughs> for a change. <laughs> And it's uh, page four in the Echo, and I think it is page, uh, is it page, page eight, eight in, uh, in, the in the Champion. Uh, there's a few new chicks in town. No, David. Yeah, well, not the chicks now that some <laughs> listeners might be thinking about. Uh, these are eagle chicks, uh, white-tailed eagles to be precise. And you might remember years ago uh, the introduction I don't know, is it about 10 years ago or whenever it was? 20, sorry, 2020. In 2020, only three years ago, 16 white-tailed eagle chicks oh, were... Well, now, uh, 
David, we had them a little bit before that, you see. This might have been before your arrival into, Probably in, the, in, the, into the, East Clare. It was a 2008. They, they, were, they, they were originally 2008. Ah, uh, yes, and, uh, 2008. Some yeah. were introduced into Killarney National Park. Um, and one of them, a, couple, a female came up from Killarney to Loch Derg and started uh, pairing up in 2013. Um, a pair nested successfully and fledged a pair of white-tailed eagle chicks, the first hatching and fledging of a white-tailed eagle chick in over 110 years in Ireland. And the same pair successfully fledged white-tailed eagle chicks for the next four years until 2018 when the female of the pair died. So the what has happened now is the husband of that, uh, of that female has remarried the widow has remarried to the next uh, available white-tailed ch uh, eagle <laughs> another bird <laughs> and uh, have produced and there's the photograph there's the evidence of it three chicks uh, they're on an island somewhere in Loch Derg did she did she uh, go to Scotland and uh, having uh, surveyed the scene there <laughs> uh, she wasn't impressed by the Scottish by the Scottish Came back and 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 mated up with with yeah. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope let's hope they survive because chicks, chick, it can be hit and miss sometimes with these chicks. Um, uh, they often don't. They often don't, but they do, and uh, they uh, qu quite a few of them have now. So these are native Irish chicks. We were dealing with Norwegian ones, um, but happily so. You yeah. can have a look at those pictures, yeah, and if you have a pair of binoculars, go out there and have a look on Loch Derg and see if you can see them flying around. Yeah. I saw them fly. I saw one of them flying and land in um, in in the evicted GA pitch there in in Tomb Graney. A massive, enormous bird. Oh, uh, the, the wingspan of them is they're yeah, fabulous yeah. to see in yeah, flight. Yeah. Fabulous yeah. to see. Are in you flight. going to pursue uh, the idea of um, attracting a barn owl to your? Well, I think there is a barn owl in my locality. I would think in your, in your property. Oh, oh, well, I can... We could all then, you know... Have a look. <laughs> we, 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 you'll be getting a webcam next day. But, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we'll be checking out. Anyway, page eight in the champion. Great heading. The eagles have landed in East Clare. <laughs> it's a, a, a great heading. Right, yeah. listen, we're, we're getting caught for time. Uh, John, there is an article there that you have, uh, a lady from Fetal. And there is indeed, and the article is head, it was uh, written up by Fiona McGarry, and the title of the article is The Humble Daisy is a Picture of Success for Fecal Herbalist. Now, how about that? The herbalist in question, she's been in fecal now for a good number of years, is Julia Ann O'Connor. And what does she do with the daisies? Well, she tells you, among other things, uh, that... The daisy has a long history mm. uh, in Ireland for bumps and that type of injury. So uh, I, I just read what she says. Um, in addition to its uplifting beauty, the daisy in the herbal world is traditionally called bruiseworth. It is known to be used for treating bumps and bruises and it's sometimes referred to as uh, Irish arnica. Do you do you rub it on or yeah you what? do yeah it makes I presume make you a paste. make a little something of it paste mm, paste of mm, it. Mm. Uh, she says you know she's a native of County Galway and has been living in field for twelve years and she said she's always impressed 
by local people's knowledge of the benefits of herbs. Mm. Now, when I when I read this, I realised my aunt up in Roscommon uh, had a, a cure for eczema using a type of ivy that was growing in the in the Haggard. Yeah. And I was there myself, you know, on a couple of occasions, on holidays, when, in fact, uh, people mm. called. And uh, The wonders of folk medicine, and I think we've lost a lot of that uh, over the years, yeah. folk, folk medicine, um, because there was all sorts of cures out there in the past. But it's great to see it being revived a little bit. And the daisies, John, anyway, I have millions of oxide daisies on my house. Uh, uh, OK. Well, Pat, as long but as you're not pushing up the daisies, we don't care. Would you eat Would you eat or drink nettle tea? I wouldn't. You wouldn't? Why not? I've tried it, and I don't like the taste of it. You that was the only... It wasn't that you were afraid of. No, because you boil you boil, it, boil the nettles, and yeah. away you go. And I suppose you could sweeten it. Now, I'm a big fan of t- all types of teas, but I draw the line on nettle tea. But if I was stuck, I might try it, I suppose. You can, and you can make soup with nettles, John. You, you can. can you can. Yeah. Yeah. You can do all sorts of things. Jeez, you're making me hungry, lads. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and the last thing I comment on, she lives now um, in Fecal. Uh, you're welcome to go and visit her herbal garden. And she'll take you through the different types of herbs, which you know very, very well, yeah. but but uh, ignored their properties. Yeah. Okay. That's so page two of the yeah, living. Page, page two of the living section. Of the living section. Okay. All right, John. Thanks for that. Listen, no matter. All right. Uh, listen, we're... we're, we're, we're herbs are very uh, available to use in, in cooking as well. Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, right. No, sorry, Pat. We're really out of time here. <laughs> pa- page 13 on the Champion, the East Clare uh, section. We're only going to be able to glance through a few of the articles here. Uh, road safety worries, of course, are always uh, issues that come up at uh, the, the, the municipal district meetings. And uh, Fiona has two articles here. Uh, road safety safety worries about the GA grounds in the village of Whitegate. I wonder who raised that one, I'd imagine, it was the local councillor. And yeah. uh, then the other one is, some East Clare roads are only fit for rally drivers, say, says uh, councillor. And that's uh, councillor Pat, Pat Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Actually, you know? a, I think I see an article in the paper where the roads are closed up in Fecal there for, uh, over next weekend. That was a, yeah, there's a, a rally. Mountain, mountain, yeah, mountain hillside. Uh, I'm sure it's great for business, I suppose. Uh, he says, anyway, when you go from Scarif to Whitegate, the roads are in a very poor condition. From Scarif to Kilinena, particularly around Fecal, the road is suitable for rally driving, but nobody else. I, I don't think the road is too bad from Scarif to Whitegate, but maybe my standards are a bit different. We won't comment on your standards. <laughs> 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 the standards here might be a bit higher. They might be a bit higher. Listen, right, before we finish, Dan has uh, the top article at pay, on page 13. There, there's a lovely picture of um, uh, Linda Stainsby, Nora Keogh, uh, Keys Dusan, uh, uh, from Kildu Balna, and Gillian Costello uh, touring the newly refurbished uh, premises at the new community garden and cafe, which is going to be opening its doors at Killaloo Balna Community and Family Resource Centre. And I, that's happening on the 1st of July, and I'm glad I didn't mess up the, uh, pronouncing all of those words there. So um, a significant amount, amount of money has gone into that. We wish them the very best with it there. There's a, a great article there. Dan, Dan it's, a so, it's a sort of a cafe, is it? Like our, like the community cafe? In yeah, but it, it's, a, it's a multi-use sp- space. I, I call it a multi-use space. And oh I'd yeah. imagine it could be something like what they're hoping that um, 
the Merrymen is going to become in Scarif. It's something oh, like a hub. Yeah, like yeah. a with, with different uh, facilities there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Killadu so and Ballina badly need something like that. So it's yeah. great to see it. Yeah. Well, it's good, great to see them getting it. It's good to see a bit, a bit of cooperation betwe- between them all anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're done. Pat, any last uh, famous words? It's just continuous ways of overgrown burial grounds. Well, now you're certainly talking about pushing up the daisies, aren't you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's about maybe looking after the graveyards. Uh, I suppose they should, in, in a lot of places, people look after them very well, and other places, maybe they don't. Yeah, you see, again, we were talking earlier about... Um, you know the the issues with regards to the fire service and everything else like this and this is when you go on to you talk about um graveyards and like in lots of areas it's not the councils that were looking after the graveyards it was the locals it's the locals right? yeah. but there are instances i know of a particular instance that's uh, clo- close to my my own uh, personal needs where the locals were looking after a particular graveyard now the council have come in and have laid down the law and said sorry lads we're looking after all this now and you can't do this you can't do that yeah. and we're laying down the law there, you know, and there, there's issues in relation to plots that would have been allocated. And they said, "Sorry, you can't let anyone else in here." You know, but that's again, you'd sort of say, should every graveyard in the council not be run by the council in the first place? But technically, well, they all do belong to the council. They do, technically, they do, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but as Joe, they give an allocation of money as well. As Joe, as Joe Cooney refers to it in there, and Joe, of course, a good local rep there, says we're all. He's talking about Tulla. He said we're all aware of issues in Tulla graveyard. My question is, who is ultimately responsible? Mm. A very good question, and hopefully Joe get to the answer. No, to, to the answer one, one minute or less there is a transition year program being organized by the Clare Youth Services out of Ennis okay and it is designed to facilitate and to ease uh, sixth, sixth class primary students into what to expect integration in, in, in secondary school in secondary school yeah and I think Perhaps somebody will t- would take it up here in Scarif, and uh, it would be a great service. Mm. Okay, mm. right. So th- that's basically was that not done years ago, John? We, we did. I, I, I can remember we you did. walking through the doors of Tungreni National School and having to duck your head to get in under the door. <laughs> we were we, you scared the shite out of all of us. <laughs> walking in the so instead of the opposite, who's, who's this big man coming? <laughs> I don't know, we're going to go over there. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 you know, he You're said, very kind. I, I know, but, but that, that, that was it. You know, I, 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 that's a childhood memory. I can remember you, yeah, com- yeah. you coming into the school beforehand and I said it didn't do us any harm. That's, yeah, that's what I said. I presume Tungreni wasn't the only place you went to, no. to do it. You no. did it in every school around. But John, that was back in the days when there was common sense. Hopefully it'll return. <laughs> David, Pat, John, many thanks for your help. Thanks, now Pete. you Thank can you. go and listen and watch the second half of the hurling and hopefully uh, next week the results will be good. We'll talk to you soon. Pat, who are we finishing up with? We'll have Tim and John Exactly, right. From us till next week, take care and hopefully Jim will return <laughs> and give me a break. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>